0: Welcome to the Weekly Walk Podcast, where we bring you impactful sermons from our vibrant Seventh day Adventist community in Onalaska, Washington. Join us as we explore faith, hope, and love through engaging sermons and inspiring stories. Whether you're a longtime member or just curious about our beliefs, tune in to find spiritual nourishment and a sense of community in our shared journey of faith. Once again, happy Sabbath, brothers and sisters. I do not ask happy Sabbath so that you can repeat to me happy Sabbath. I ask happy Sabbath because is it a happy Sabbath for you? So amen, praise God. Is it a blessing that we are called to enter into the Sabbath experience? You know, uh, one of the realities is that the Christian is gonna be faced with times of frustration, of anger, of disappointment, of all the varied relations. And it is precisely for that that the Lord says, that's why I have given you Sabbath, to enter into it. And I say that because maybe you're not happy today. Maybe you are upset for one reason or another or you're frustrated, and yet the Lord says, come and enter into my rest. And so to that end, brothers and sisters, it's okay. Um, It's okay to be honest with ourselves and with God. Not every time can we put a smile on our face. Not every time can we uh, uh, express what we would desire to express uh, in a positive way. But the Lord nonetheless has something in store. And I want to share this. If you and I accept God's invitation and enter into his rest, he will not leave you as you came in. Have you seen those slogans that say, uh, usually churches have a slogan and it will say, come as you are. Uh, has, Has anyone seen that? But oftentimes I wish there would be a dot, dot, dot. In other words, an after statement. And that is leave as he changes you. In other words, we come as we are, but we leave as God changes us, amen? And so I pray that as we enter into his Sabbath rest on this day, we might be able to truly experience the delectable uh, experience that is there for those who receive that invitation. I wanna welcome each and every one of you today. Uh, Today marks the last Sabbath of this year. Has this year not gone by so quickly? It really has gone by quickly. And I want to just share with you, this is my own personal uh, thought, but I truly believe that 2024 is going to be a pivotal year in the history of the church and of the nation. Now, I'm not a prophet, and so I am not necessarily trying to predict what will happen as if it has been revealed to me that it will happen. But anyone studying the nations, the movement of the nations, the movement of what's happening in society at large senses that we are at a boiling point. And next year, as we know, is an election year and we realize that it is not gonna be a calm and peaceful election. These things are not meant or stated to cause us to become anxious, to cause us to be tense, but we need to be understanding of where we stand. And so I believe that the privilege that God is giving us on this Sabbath day, as we are on the cusp of entering a new year, is an opportunity for us to look back at what our experience personally has been. It does not matter how much you know of prophecy, how much you understand of politics. It doesn't understand how much influence or power you may have. If we do not have a living connection, notice keyword, I said a living connection. If we do not have a living connection with Christ, we are done for. Jesus himself said so, that I I'm the true vine and you are the branches. Now, what happens when you separate a branch from a vine? Anyone done any farming here before? Any, Any growing, any cultivating? What happens when you separate a vine from its branch or the branch from its vine? It dies. It dies. Anyone will tell you that. And this is why I believe that the greatest knowledge that we can have is not necessarily a knowledge of prophecy. Now, prophecy has its part. Prophecy is highly important and we are exhorted to understand prophecy. It is not so much a knowledge of the the philosophies and the theories out there. They may have their place, brothers and sisters. It is not even so much an orthodoxy in religion. In other words, it's not so much that we understand every detail correctly. Now, please understand, I am not saying that we should not do our work in study. But what I believe God is calling us to understand is that unless we have a living connection with him, all of it is in vain. And that's a solemn thought. And so as I was uh, praying with the Lord, the privilege and the blessing of being able to share the word this afternoon or this almost afternoon. Lord, what do you desire for us to be able to feast on? It is having to do with how we might remain when the shaking comes. Has anyone heard of the shaking? And how we might remain. And so the title for our study this morning is From Shaken. To what? To unshaken. And so, brothers and sisters, as we prepare to get into the word of God, I just invite you all to uh, join with me uh, in prayer as we supplicate the Lord's presence in our very midst. Let us seek the Lord in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, great Is thy faithfulness. How great thou art. We are so blessed, we're so privileged to assemble here this morning, not by mistake. It is a solemn reality that you are the one who appoints your people to appear at a particular place at the appointed time. And so here we are this morning, assembled to enter into your word. And this, your servant, needs you, Father. I need you to guide my thinking. I need you to guide my speaking. I even need you to temper my spirit that I do not step outside of your will and short circuit, whatever message you have for every individual who is here this morning. I ask that you will engage our ears. You will also engage our hearts. I pray that through your spirit, we might all be able to leave this place saying, it was good to sit at the feet of the lovely Jesus. It was good to receive a word from on high. And so I pray that your word will come to life and that we may receive it And receiving it, we may be able to bring forth fruit abundantly. Bless us at this study hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, we begin. Uh, The Bible, the living word of God, has been recorded not just for the generations who were living at the time they were living. But the Bible above any generation has been recorded for the last generation who with all the accumulated wealth, all the facts that have been recorded will have in its possession a knowledge of God for each individual being. And this sacred trust, brothers and sisters, is being given to you and I for this time that we may fulfill the mission for why we were born, for why we were called to live. Each and every one of us, in our unique sense, has a particular contribution to the plan of God, brothers and sisters. Whether you are young, whether you are old, male, female, it does not matter. Every one of you here today has a purpose. And in light of that thought, brothers and sisters, I want to say that it will also be the enemy's purpose to ensure that we do not capture what God has in store for us. Now, by the word of God, we're going to seek to make the illustrations that he has in store for us very clear. Our study from shaken to unshaken is a biblical language that is used to illustrate the trials, the temptations, the afflictions that we're all going to be facing. Uh, All right, let me ensure that we are, okay, so advance, maybe, maybe not. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly what the reason for not advancing is. I might have you to... I might... Uh, okay, just wait. Don't, 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 don't advance them too fast, all right? Uh, no, the battery is not low because it has my pointer there. I'm not sure why, but I'll instruct you uh, fellow laborers when to advance them, all right? So we're going uh, to make it through. It's always an interesting... Uh, reality when you're dealing with technology and sometimes it work and sometimes it doesn't. But thank you so much for being there for us. We want to begin, amen, we want to begin by looking in scripture as, as to how God speaks and how we are to respond. So I want to begin by uh, this divine representation. The Bible in its language has styled human beings or called human beings as trees, As All right, go to the next slide, please, or then uh, click the next click. There are a few verses here. We're going to go quickly through them. And these verses here are just examples of illustrating the fact that God calls you and I as human beings, plants, or trees. And when you understand that, you want to ask yourself, what kind of tree, what kind of plant am I? We're going to look at some of the texts. For those who are taking notes, You may note some of them or you may record them all. And uh, if not, then I pray that at the time that you may need it, it may be brought to mind. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 7, humanity as trees or as plants. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 7, the Bible says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are what? His pleasant plant, for those of you who are following, you know, I know that we may go through some of these rather quickly, but if you're able to follow, that will be a blessing. The Bible says that the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. Let us go to the next one, Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3. Psalm 1 and verse 3. Here's another illustration concerning humanity as a tree or a plant. This is speaking about the man, the righteous man, uh, whose delight is in the law of God. Psalm 1 and verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Go with me to chapter 52 of Psalms. Psalm 52, and we're going to look briefly at verse 8. Psalm 52, verse 8. We're just establishing... So much so that when we go to the next part that is of substance for us, we will see that as has been established by the word of God, you and I are likened to plants or to trees. So far we have Isaiah, we have Psalm now, chapter 52 and verse number 8. The Bible says, but I am like a what? Green olive tree in the house of God. about little children 128 psalm 128 verse 3 psalm 128 and verse 3 i'll just skip 92 yes i'm not going to go through all of them but i'm just going to go to uh some all right psalm 128 verse 3 how about children does god consider children as trees or as plants. Notice what the psalmist says. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like what? Olive plants. So there again, you're going to see this over and over. This is important, brothers and sisters, that we can understand when you go out walking and you see that majestic cedar tree or the fir tree or you're pruning that tomato tree in the summer or the or the uh, squash Uh, plans. God is trying to speak to us. This is you. This is me. Notice with me Mark 8 and verse 24. Mark 8, this is a miracle of Christ, uh, where he healed a blind man. And the very first thing that the blind man saw happened to be recorded in that chapter and verse. Mark chapter 8 and verse number 24. What did the man testify? The man says, in verse 24, he looked up and he said, I see men as what? Trees walking. So all the way through, God is using the illustration of trees or plants to reveal something about what God's people need to understand. Now we know that trees are living in the sense that they take up Nutrients, they grow, they can die, they can be injured. But what's interesting about trees and what's interesting in contrast to other living things like animals or insects or birds is that trees are living but are trees able to move physically from one place to another of their own accord? No. So right away, even though God is giving this divine representation of trees, he's saying, think, think. Yes, a tree is living, but there's something unique about this living tree. Once it's planted here, this is where it's going to be. Come rain, come fire, come storm, it's stuck where God has put it. Keep that in mind as we will be developing our thought. Let us go to Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9 and notice one more. Uh, witness to men being as plants or as trees. The last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 9 and notice verse 4. And it was commanded uh, them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. This is a very interesting text because it mentions all these plants and then it contrasts men who have the seal of God. So these trees that have the seal of God are placed in comparison to these other plants, which we have seen are men, humanity. But in this case, we can say that they don't have the seal of God. Are you following so far? Now, I say that because we will see that the Christian tree is what you and I are being called here at the end of 2023, to understand and to inspect as i mentioned what's interesting about a tree is the fact that it cannot move from where it has been placed for the most part we're not talking about transplanting we're not talking about you know physically doing it but generally speaking once you plant a plant where you plant it that's where it's going to be you're following me so far correct yeah. this idea then is an illustration of the various experiences that you and I are going to face in a hostile, imperfect, and an unpredictable environment. Three areas that we're going to be dealing with. A hostile, an imperfect, and an unpredictable environment. Hostile because why? An enemy has been allowed to exercise his power. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 13 for us to notice quickly the hostility that a plant or a tree will face. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to notice or pick it up in verse 24. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24. We're dealing with the hostile aspect of the tree or the plant is called to face hostile because an enemy is allowed to exercise his power. Matthew 13 and verse number 24, the Bible says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Moving on to verse 27. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And notice with me in verse 28. He said unto them, what? An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then we go and gather them up? But he said nay, lest while ye gather up the tares ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both what are the both there symbolizing? The wheat and the tares. Let both plants, the wheat and the tares, grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. The point here we see, brothers and sisters, is that the wheat, which symbolizes the good, were placed in a position of being right by the tares. And the tears is the work of who? An enemy. Using the parable Satan, correct, but an enemy. And so somehow here, the enemy has been allowed to exercise his power to this plant that can do nothing but be in the midst of all this opposition. And so the workers trying to understand what's happening, say, wait a minute, if we realize that those bad plants are with the good plants, let's just do the easy thing and let's go and uproot all the bad so that only the good can remain. What did the Lord say? No. Do not do that. Why? Because in doing that, you likely could uproot the good. And the reason, brothers and sisters, God wants us to understand these things is because if we have seen that men, humanity is as a plant, I want us to consider as we come to the close of this year, how much difficulty have I had having to deal with bad, with individuals who have just been nothing but headache for me and I can do nothing but be in their midst. I can't seem to run away. I can't seem to have them uprooted from me. And I want you to see that in God's divine purpose, understanding that it might not be a convenient situation, God sees and allows the enemy to have power and authority sometimes in our lives. It's a hostile situation that the plant, the good plant is caused to face. And the reason why I need us to understand this is because once you and I understand that God likens humanity to be as plants, then we realize that there are times that God will allow tears in our very midst. And it's not so much that God is asking me to say, identify who the tear is. That's not the point. The point is, God is asking me, he's asking you and I, can you grow where I have planted you and bring forth fruit even when you are in the midst of tares? And he's also asking us to consider that it is not our work to try always to be in the work of uprooting the tares. But the day is coming when there will be an uprooting, believe it or not. And one of the reasons that God in mercy does not allow us to do that work is because in doing that work, we may end up uprooting the good. You see that in this parable. This is critical. But the the, the reality, nonetheless, is that's the hostility that the plant sometimes has to face. I mentioned that the Christian faces a hostile, imperfect, unpredictable. Notice with me why it is imperfect. The farmer, an intelligent farmer, gardener, uh, orchardist, husbandman, whatever they are, will do everything that they can possibly do to ensure that the plant will bring forth fruit. Now, will the plant always bring forth fruit uh, proportionate to the blood and sweat and tears and food that you have put in the plant? No. So we're living in a very imperfect situation. Go with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 5. God uses this illustration to bring out the point of imperfection. Not imperfection on the part of the husbandman, but imperfection in this case at the hands of a different entity. Isaiah chapter 5, and I want us to pick it up in verse one, Isaiah chapter five and verse number one. Isaiah five and verse one, the Bible says, now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vine in a what kind of hill? A very fruitful, in other words, a fertile field. So as far as the field is concerned, It is where you would want to place your plant. Going on, not only was it a fruitful hill, but the farmer goes on and he fenced it. And he gathered out the stones thereof and he planted it with what kind of vine? The best kind of vine, the choicest vine. And then he built a tower in the midst of it and he also made a winepress therein and now comes the sad commentary. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth what? Wild grapes. Wild grapes. Notice in verse three, and now O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you betwixt me and my vineyard, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? This is a very serious question. The Christian will be placed oftentimes in a, an, an ideal setting. The mom and dad decide to have the best influences surrounding. The mom and dad decide to gather out all the stones of bad influence. No, no bad TV or movies or books or toys. No fighting. All these lessons that mom and dad are trying to to instill and they send them to the right school and they want them to be involved. And when you are expecting your child to bring forth that good fruit, behold, wild grapes. What happened? Or the church can be trying to do everything possible. The the programs are, are... taking into account everybody and we're trying to get everybody involved and everything is going on as perfectly as perfect could be and behold at the time when we should be thriving wild grapes what more could have been done and i want us to understand this because when we see that as plants this Reality, this environment, God needs us to understand because brothers and sisters, the shaking is coming. And if we do not understand the, the 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 thought behind what God is trying to grant us to understand, we will not be able to fulfill God's ultimate purpose. And so it's imperfect because after you have done every possible perfect thing, it still is fruitless. It still fails to do what it should have done. Verse twenty-four is really good. Verse twenty-four. All right, let us go there. Verse twenty-four, chapter five, and verse twenty-four. What does the Bible tell us there? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Therefore, that one, as the fire devours the stubble, and as the flame consumes the chaff. So their root shall be as rottenness and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Was that it? Yeah. It's a very solemn chapter. And what I want us to see here is that God has done or 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 if you can put yourself in that position, you have done everything that you can do and then it aborts. It does not follow through. Notice with me, thank you brothers, notice with me the third point. Unpredictable. Unpredictable, and he's the one that may even be more trying. Unpredictable because... Outside forces will exert their influence for good or bad, despite what the farmer or the plant does. Now, who's the plant? Or what does the plant illustrate? What, just a quick review. What does a plant illustrate? Us. You and I. Okay. So God uses plants, God uses trees to communicate a reality that we are oftentimes not are uh, honest or willing to, to, to follow logically through. We have seen that plants are called sometimes to, to, to thrive or to be in a very hostile environment. We have seen that plants are called sometimes in a situation where everything is perfect. This is not a hostile environment, and yet it does not do what it should really be doing. And now we see that sometimes, despite those first two realities, they are unpredictable forces that are outside of and above the control of either farmer or the plant itself. What am I talking about? Uh, let's use scripture to give us some answers, and then we will begin to break it down. Turn with me to the book of Joel, one of the minor prophets. So you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. But Joel is one of those minor prophets toward the end of the Old Testament. Yes, God, so God is the farmer, and we, us, are his children with the plant. And yet, brother, there are times that the outside forces that are unpredictable, that neither the farmer did, nor the plant did, and yet has been allowed, right? So follow with me what the Bible tells us, Joel chapter 1. Notice one of the those unpredictable forces, Joel chapter 1, and verse number 19 and 20. Right after Daniel, you have Hosea. After Hosea, you have Joel, all right? Joel chapter one, and we're going to look at verse 19 and 20, and I can just give you the number uh, for those who are using the the Bibles in the pews. What what is it, brother? 884, 884, thank you. So uh, page 884. Uh, Thank you, brother. You can help us with that. If you're using the pew Bibles there, we're in Joel chapter one. Verse 19 and 20, the Bible says, O Lord, to thee will I cry for the what? For the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the what? The flame has burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of water are dried up, and the fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness. There's an interesting thought here, but what we're seeing is the fire is one of those forces outside of the influence of either farmer or plant. Are you, are you following the, 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 the word picture, so to speak? A very unfortunate situation. Notice another one uh, right after Joel is the book of Amos. So just turn to the book of Amos. We're going to go to chapter 4 and verse 7. Here's another outside force. Uh, that plant uh, has nothing to do with, or farmer has nothing to do with. Um, Amos chapter 4 and verse 7. All right, the Bible says there, and also I have withholden the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. And I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon and the piece where whereupon it rained not withered. Wow. So here you have two plots of ground. You cross the railroad or the rail tracks and this plot is having all this beautiful rain. And then you look on the other side and there is no rain. Something that is completely outside of The farmer, the farmer can't say, "Farm uh, rain, you're gonna rain over here, then you're gonna rain over there." That's an illustration that we're getting to, but the point is, we've already seen fire as one of the forces. We have seen rain as one of the forces. Notice with me uh, in the book of Exodus, chapter nine, another force. And then we will start bringing this practically as we close. What does this have for me practically? speaking. All right. Exodus chapter 9, and notice with me verse 26, 22 to 26. Exodus 9, 22 to 26. This is one of the plagues. For those who have read about the plagues in Egypt, or remember about the plagues in Egypt, one of the plagues was that which we're going to be looking at, a desolating situation that happened. So uh, Exodus 9 and verse 22, the plague of the hail. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man, upon beast, upon every herb of the field, throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses went on to do this. And now let's just skip down to verse 25. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. Now, did man and beast have an opportunity of escaping the hail? Yes. How about the herbs and the trees? Did they have an opportunity of moving out of the hail's path of damage? No. So the hail smote every herb of the field and brake every tree of the field. Verse 26, only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. So there again, you have this very unpredictable scenario. In in If you're just looking at the picture, I mean, we know what was happening, but if you're just looking at the picture, here you have all this hail completely demolishing, destroying all the crop. And then you look toward Goshen, and wow, there is no hail. Point being, an unpredictable situation. As we stand here at the close of 2023 brothers and sisters, and now seeing that God is calling us to understand the illustration as trees, you and I are as trees, you and I are as his pleasant plants, what is do we see when we look at ourselves in review this year? Have we fared well in our environment? Whatever hostilities we may have been called to bear, how has it been for you and for me? In the imperfect situations that we may have been called to face, perhaps God has done everything possible he could do for us How has it fared for us? Or perhaps we might find ourselves in that third category where unpredictable things have happened of which we had no control over. And yet, as a plant, we cannot escape, but we have to stand there. These are some of the things that we are being called to grapple with. And so the question I want to ask is, if we are a tree, how can we remain unshaken when the hostility, when the imperfections, when the unpredictable realities surround you and I. And we need to understand this, my brothers and sisters, because the trials are only getting warmed up. And I hope that did not discourage you. The things that God has allowed to happen and is allowing are not freak accidents. As we begin to bring this to a a, a close, I, I, I want to make this practical. So let us go to the book of Revelation because we want to understand how can we remain unshaken. Some of these realities, as we have seen, cause a great shaking. Revelation, and I want to... Look at a few texts here. I'm going to begin with chapter 7. And then I'm going to go to chapter 14. So Revelation chapter 7. We're just going to look at verse 1. Revelation 7 verse 1. And after these things, I saw four angels stand on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow where? On the earth. Or, on the sea, or, or any tree. Now, symbolically, the wind is a symbol of strife, of passion, of war. And here you have God holding back the winds. And as I mentioned, brothers and sisters, when you look at what's happening in the world today, you can almost see as if the winds are beginning to blow as the angels are trying to hold back the passions, the forces. It says to us in verse 3 of the same chapter, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. Now go with me to verse 14, just a couple other passages and then we will make a couple points as we close. Revelation chapter 14, the winds are held until the servants of God, and we've seen that these servants of God are as trees, until the trees or the servants of God are sealed in their forehead. And so this leads us to the passage, chapter 14 and verse 1, which also speaks about, the similar situation, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion and with him, 144,000, having his father's, what? Name written in their foreheads. As I bring the illustration to a practical bearing, a plant generally has three divisions, the unseen, which is the root system, and then you have the bearing part, which is your trunk and your branches, and then you have the flowering part, which are the leaves and that give the fruit, all right? So three systems, root, branch, fruit. The Bible is telling us that that which is going to enable you and I as plants has to deal with the root system. The ceiling of a tree takes place in the root. That which anchors it, in other words, that which enables it to withstand the tempest has to deal with the roots. And the Bible is telling us practically now, if you and I, as we face 2024, as we look back at all that has happened personally, in our own lives now, I'm not looking at the world, the church, the nation. I'm just saying, as we look at our lives, the things that have really shaken us, the things that have caused us to question, is Christianity real? Is it, is it powerful enough to hold me? God would have us to check and see how, how anchored are we? And that anchoring here is illustrated by the ceiling, the, 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 the settling in our mind where we are rooted. So much so that when the, the hostility or the imperfection or the unpredictable things come upon us, we are not shaken out. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? We go to our last passage here in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to uh, highlight how the Lord in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite understanding realizes that each one of us is going to go like a plant, please believe you me. We're either going to go through a hostile situation or we're going to be placed in an environment where even though all was perfect, the plant did not bear fruit. Or in an unpredictable situation, each and every one of us, and and I want to speak to the parents, especially to those of you who still have the privilege of bringing children It is your God-given privilege and blessing to place the most ideal environment around your child. In fact, it is your God-given duty to do so. And despite all that you may do, despite that all you have done, it very well could be that your child does not bring out the fruits that you desired for them to bring. It also might be, brothers and sisters, dear parents or dear individuals, that through your influence, your child ends up frustrating the purposes of God because your presence was as hostility in their midst. And as a church family, we need to understand that the the message here is not so much, again, uh, being given to cause us to start pointing fingers, as much as it's being given for us to arm ourselves in the mind that we are in a very critical moment. And so things that we may hope may not pan out the way we hope. Things that we desire may not be realized. But God is still in control, and with cooperation from us and with him, the good news is well, God's planting will bring forth fruit. Amen. Yeah. That is a promise that God has made. His planting will bring forth fruit. Amen. But I said we will go to our verse, last verse here. So Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and I want us to notice beginning with verse 26. Hebrews chapter uh, 12 and verse 26. Bible reads, uh, what page number is that, brother? 1157. 1157. Page 1157 on the Pew Bibles, uh, Hebrews 12 and verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I shake, not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, verse 27, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are what? Shaken, our title is from shaken to unshaken. So if you're shaken, according to scripture, there is a removing, right? The removing of those things that are shaken as of those things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may do what? May remain. And so as we receive the seal of God in our forehead, which symbolizes simply this, as a tree receiving all the nutrients that God gives so that you can send forth deep shoots, so that you can anchor the ground, so that when the storm comes, you may sway, but you're not going to be uprooted. Okay? The sealing is a settling intellectually and spiritually in the truth so that you will not be overthrown when the crisis comes about you. And the Bible here tells us, brothers and sisters, that we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably. We are wrapping up the year 2023. And if there is something that we need to plead for as trees, it is grace. It is grace. That grace is what is going to enable us to stand. It is what is going to enable us to have strong roots and anchors. I just want to close with an illustration here. Uh, of this young man, Cody. Uh, Cody uh, had uh, an only sister there. Uh, so two of them, Cody and Skye, um, loved to climb trees, just being a, uh, a, a regular boy who loves life, <laughs> who loves uh, nature and uh, loves ice cream. And is just a happy, a happy jolly, regular guy. Uh, Cody uh, illustrates a really interesting story that I want to bring as we close. If you can tap onto the next screen over there. Mom and dad, uh, who lived in the city by the way, um, decided that we want a good life for young Cody. And so we are going to move from the city uh, where dad was an aviation uh, mechanic, um, working on planes and other type things. And we are going to bring them to this ideal environment out in the country. And so here you see Cody uh, with oh, by the cows, in by the Polaris over there. Uh, Cody was placed in a skid steer, uh, young boy already working, driving in the fields of Kansas. Uh, You know, over there in Kansas, in the Midwest, uh, we drive from, or probably North Dakota, we drive from, I don't know, six years old, seven, eight years old, whenever you can. I mean, barely looking above the steering wheel. The point here is that mom and dad had decided we are going to take our Cody and Sky from a regular life, and we are going to try to plant our family that we may be in a position to fulfill our highest potential possible. And so Cody was living large as a young boy, as any young boy should, a nice, wholesome life. Uh, and then came God's time. The Bible tells us that there is a time that, has its purpose under every heaven, or how does it say? God has his time, and there's a time and a purpose for every season under heaven. And so it was a Friday afternoon, and Cody, who was right in the Polaris right over there, was joyfully rushing to his dad, who was an attractor, to tell him to come home or something of that sort. And there was a bend and a turn on the dirt roads. And just as he was coming up on the turn, there was a, a semi or truck, a grain truck coming along. And so Cody instinctively swerved because he thought he was going to hit the truck. Well, unfortunately, as he swerved, Cody was ejected right behind. Here he was, and he was instantly crushed and killed. And just as dad was coming upon the scene, he said, wait a minute, that looks really familiar. And as he came upon the scene, it was evident. In fact, as I was speaking to dad, Timmy, he said, the fire or the first responder said, do not go back there. You Do not want to see your boy like that. Just, Just don't go back there. And unfortunately, their their, their efforts to try to save Cody, obviously, were futile. And so Cody, who had been the joy and the delight of his father, was gone. And when I was speaking with Tim, who happened to be my schoolmate, this was uh, earlier this uh, year, he was sobbing and crying and trying to explain in the best that he could the grief that tore at his heart. Because this was a young boy who he did everything with. He He had left his career as an aviation mechanic to spend quality time in a quality place and invest everything he could with his boy, fixing tractors, fixing cars, hunting, just just pouring your love to your boy. And yet God saw it fit to allow this unpredictable event to happen. And as I spoke with Timmy at that time, and then again, I just happened to speak with him yesterday just to check on him and see how he's doing. He said something that was so, so, uh, the, 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 the word that comes to my mind is poignant, but I don't know how to say it simply so I don't lose you. So, uh, impactful. so impactful? impactful? Okay okay, poignant or impacted, okay, it just blew my mind, like, wow, okay. He said something that encapsulates what I'm trying to share about when the crisis comes, will you be shaken or will you be unshaken? Because you see, we are all going to be placed in situations that will shake our faith, all of us. Maybe some of us have already been going through these things. And it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, you will be tested. As a plant, you will be tried. And what he said to me, and I want everyone to pay attention, he said something that I was like, yes, this is where God wants to bring us. And I pray that it can be an encouragement for us because this is what dad said. If something would have caused my son to lose his salvation later in his life. Then I would choose his accidental death in his innocence every time. The few years we have here is but a blink compared to eternity. Do you and I, dear brother and sister, have such faith? That If God allows tragedy to happen to you as a plant, as a tree, in the prime of your life, or watching the little blossoms develop, and God says, I am saving them for a time to come, will you be unshaken? Or perhaps it's your spouse who goes through a tragic event. Or it could be whoever. Whatever the tragedy, we're not trying to compare tragedies here. We're just simply saying we live in a hostile environment and things happen that there is no word to explain. But can you remain unshaken? And his words reminded me and echoed of the words from inspiration. And this is the final quote. Where we're told, uh, if you can press the next... uh, button there, um, from the desire of ages. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. Brothers and sisters, we have seen that we are plants and the work of a plant is to bear fruit. And if God in his infinite wisdom allows you or me, allows us to go through just very difficult situations, the only way I say that we can remain faithful and unshaken is in understanding God's overruling purpose for us. And as a tree, as a plant, when we understand that whatever surrounds us, is insignificant, and this therefore, I pray might be the grace that you may receive as you face 2024. May God bless each one of you to stay strong as you look to his faithfulness, as you look to his wisdom, whatever he chooses for you, wherever he places you, whatever he calls for you to go through If you could see the end from the beginning, what God has in store, you would choose where you are at, even though it does not mean that where you are at is pleasant. I know there is more that can be said according to or with what I have just said right now, but I pray that it might give some strength and courage as we face a very unpredictable, untested year by God's grace, let us choose to purpose to work together with Him. Amen? Has what we have shared made any sense to us this morning? I pray so, my brothers and sisters. God bless you. Thank you for biding with me. And let us close uh, in prayer. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for the privilege, for the blessing, for the opportunity to be plants, the Lord's planting. And I'm asking in a very special way, Holy Father, that here are your plants today. The young are as olive plants, the elder are also to be as plants of the Lord. You know what each plant is capable of. Some, maybe it's 30-fold, others it's 60-fold, others it's 100-fold of abundance. It is you who understands, the individual potential of each child of yours. And the best thing that as plants we can choose is to have your name in our forehead, to have your seal placed as yours. And if we are yours, then the promise is, you will answer to my purpose. Holy Father, we do not know what this new year has in store for us. We really do not. We do not desire any tragedy. We do not desire any difficulties. Instead, Father, we desire and hope truly for blessed peace, blessed prosperity, blessed of you. We do not want the devil's peace or prosperity, but we desire yours, but we don't know what you have in store for us. And so I pray and I ask in a special way, firstly, for all the parents of young children in my hearing, please place your special tokens of blessing on them. And then I wanna pray for all the uh, parents of all the children, maybe they have left the faith, maybe they're still in the wilderness, maybe right now they're actually hostile and are as enemies to your children to your plants i pray for them as well father and i just want to pray in closing that as a church family we may understand that for now you have planted us here in on alaska or maybe in north dakota or in kansas or in california it matters not where you have planted us in our particular areas for a purpose please lord use us and guide us may we remain when the shaking and testing times come thank you for hearing and answering amen thank you for joining us on this journey through faith and community as we conclude today's episode we encourage you to carry the spirit of fellowship and compassion into your week ahead remember in Onalaska and beyond let's continue to spread love and understanding reflecting the teachings of Christ in all that we do. If you ever find yourself in the neighborhood, feel free to stop in and say hi. We will gladly share a meal with you. Till next week.